Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. So glad you found us. If this is your first time, we certainly hope it's not your last time. And we'd invite you to click on the digital connection card up here in the corner and, and let us know who you are. And if there's a prayer request and if there's anything we can answer in terms of a question. And we're just grateful again that you found us. And if this is your spiritual home, grateful that you tuned in also today. And we invite you to use that same digital connection card for a prayer request or if there's something you'd like to let us know here at the church. A couple of things I want to share with you. First, the crop walk went off very well. Uh, we had approximately 52 people that walked. Uh, don't know quite exactly what we raised as a community. I know that Linden Road's part, uh, as it stands right now, is $575. So thank you for your generosity. And, and if you'd like to be part of that, you can also click on the link here. And, and if you'd like to be a part of that investment, you can make a gift here through the Give button up above, or there's a link also here in the worship notes. Certainly hope you'll give consideration to sharing in that great opportunity. So I want to give a shout out to Katrina and Lee. They walked. I have to confess, you saw I rode my bike partly because I wanted to get some video and I needed to get back to Ashland to celebrate the ordination of uh, Dolly Dong as she joins our tribe. But it was a lot of fun on a brisk Sunday afternoon and for the benefit of many. And so grateful that we could be part of that. And then I want to share with you an opportunity that's coming up in February. Just want to get it on your calendar. There's a new movie coming out called The Jesus Revolution. And it's from the same folks. They've done a number of movies. The uh, one you may remember most recently was I Can Only Imagine. And it's, this movie is based on a also true story. It's about revival and faith. And the producers have shared a powerful video talking about the why behind the movie, the heart, if you will. And so check this out. It's a story of finding yourself, finding your way, finding faith. I just think it's going to be so uplifting. There's comedy, there's tenderness, there's complexity with all of the characters. The production value is incredible. It feels like we've just been dropped into a moment in history. Audiences are going to get a strong message of love and hope. I hope people feel tearful and joyful all at the same time, and maybe inspired to rediscover their own faith. It's been seven years to the screen for this movie and every other movie that we've made along the way, Woodlawn, I can only imagine, I still believe, American Underdog, it's all been leading to this. I remember discovering the Jesus Revolution Time Magazine cover story, and it was like unearthing this gem, and that led to this whole exploration. I wanna meet people that lived this. Come to find out Greg, was a teenager, as was his wife, Kathy, at the very origin of the Jesus Movement in Southern California. The Jesus Movement was an awakening. Not only was it the last great American awakening, I think it may have been the most significant of all. It was this beautiful fusion of Greg's coming of age story, this hippie street preacher, Lonnie Frisbee, and a down and out pastor who's pretty much lost everything. And to see him open up his doors to these hippies, that completely changed everything. I think so many of us that were drawn into the hippie movement really were searching for something more. Greg Laurie at the time is the lost soul. He's looking for truth, and he finds it in all the wrong places and in one right place. Have you decided? Uh-uh. No. 
I, I, I don't know. You want to decide right now? One of the things that excited me most about the script was the theme. The theme is loving the other. I think that's what our world needs. I think our world really needs to heal. I think it'll challenge people's notions of the need to be perfect to be a Christian. I want audiences to be encouraged. If they leave the theater feeling encouraged and inspired, then we've done our job. Our country and the world is prime for another revival. I am praying that this movie will bring hope to a generation. I think you're gonna see something on the screen you've not seen before. This story changed our nation and in many ways changed the world. You feel swept up into this movement. If a Jesus revolution happened before, it can happen again. Why can't the next Jesus revolution begin right now? I know that if God can heal me, he can heal anyone. If you look a little deeper, if you look with love, you'll see an entire generation searching for all the right things, just in all the wrong places. We can only walk through doors open to us. In your church, that's a door that's shut. So I ask you, Pastor, what would it take for you to be desperate? Seems the movement's everywhere. It's spreading like wildfire. Let's see what God has in mind. I can remember the Jesus movement well. I remember the Time magazine cover that the producer mentioned, and just all that goes around what this movie's gonna talk about. But I think in this current season, we desperately need to focus our attention on a revival, and it starts with God's people first. Our prayers should be that God would show up in a new way in this season that we find ourselves in. As we move to a time of worship through song, the song I chose today is a song that came out of the Promise Keepers movement. It's called Knowing Him. And this week on Tuesday, the, uh, October 4th, was the 25th anniversary of an amazing event that took place in Washington, D.C. on the nation's mall called Stand in the Gap. I had the privilege and pleasure and the opportunity to join a number of my friends from National Theological Seminary, professors, the president, Fred Finks, and others. We flew down early on a Friday morning. I had made arrangements to uh, have a lunch on Capitol Hill with our friends at the Heritage Foundation. And then we uh, got up early the next morning and jumped on the subway. And as we got down the subway and as we walked up the escalators there and walked out onto the mall, it just, as the day moved on, it became just a sea of men. And so many different images that here I can share. Uh, men, all sorts of different uh, ages. Uh, in this image here, some would say it was just a happenstance or a coincidence, but of all the men that were on the mall, this was a photo I grabbed as I happened to bump into men from Ashland that traveled the, themselves a different way. Uh, the, the gentleman in the white hat is Tom Ibel, and he has since gone on to be with Jesus. And then the other is Brian Yenny and former Ashland Fire Department Chief uh, Ron Baker, and, then, and also a friend Rob Wally. It was so encouraging to bump into them. Tom played a huge role in shaping the faith journey of my family. 
my own experience, Melinda's friendship with his bride, Lori, and just the impact that they had. And so I just am reminded of, in all that, to point to this great hymn. We are in our series here on God Is, and it seems only appropriate as we're pushing through all sorts of things in our world that the season we've come out of, the season of uh, global pandemic and all the various things, that I think many of us in those moments we've had uh, where we feel like we're all alone, right? And I think many of us can identify with those moments when we think maybe we're really not cared for, or that, that no one really sees us, or that even uh, the messiness that our lives don't matter. Or if you're pushing through some kind of heartache some kind of brokenness that it's never going to heal. And then finally, as we think about those things in a practical sort of way, we just come to a point of, and then sometimes we embrace an idea that God doesn't even care about us and he's not concerned about our problem. And so my hope is we look at this uh, particular aspect of God's character today is that by grace, his grace, we're going to see the truth of what he wants to offer us. And so let's begin with prayer. Father, we're grateful that you are a God of hope. As we've looked at your character thus far, of being a God who's merciful and trustworthy and a God who loves and a God who is holy, we just pray that you would reveal yourself through your Holy Spirit as we look at what you have for us today. We thank you for the truths of Scripture, and as we look at your word, we pray that it would speak to us in a fresh new way. And we pray it in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. What I want to do today is look at one of God's names. What I want to look at today is one of God's names. We know there's only one God, but in Scripture, we know he is referred to by many different names. And it's these names for God in the Bible teach us about who he is and about his character and about how he relates to us as his uh, sons and daughters. We're going to take a look here out of Genesis chapter 16 at the name of God. It was given to him by a woman by the name of Hagar, she was a servant of uh, Sarah, Abraham's wife. Now, let me give you a little bit of background. We meet Abram, and he's been promised by God that he's going to be the father of nations, that he is going to have a legacy that goes beyond anything he can possibly imagine. And in that promise, as Abram and Sarai, as his wife is called, as they go along, they're childless. And it's been 10 years, over a decade, since God made this promise well, like so many of us, we can't wait on God. We have to move into our own understanding. They begin to think in practical ways that perhaps what needs to happen is that Abram needs to marry Hagar, her uh, Sarah's Egyptian servant, to be a surrogate mother to bear their child. That was a common practice back then. If a woman had trouble bearing children, she would depend upon her handmaiden or servants to come alongside. Well, as the story unfolds, uh, Hagar uh, has a relationship with Abram, and she conceives. It, it, but it gets messy, and it gets messy because uh, Sarah begins to push Hagar away. Sarah ends up transferring her pain of not being without child, and she ends up really treating uh, Hagar very harshly. And so Hagar runs away. And let's pick up the story here in Genesis chapter 16. The angel Lord found her, that's Hagar, by a spring of water in the wilderness. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? 
She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. I will surely multiply your offspring so they cannot be numbered for multitude. Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. And then the writer goes on to say, She gave his name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That name in Hebrew is El Roy. It means the God who sees me. As we think about all that we've experienced in these many months, as life is trying to come back to normal, this idea of God seeing us, I think, becomes really, really important. Uh, The idea is that he sees us now. He sees all our sins, and we know from Scripture that he knows all our thoughts, and that can cause different emotions to pop to the surface as we think about that and ponder that. The first is this idea of concern. For example, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Wow, that's pretty heavy right? And so concern is something that we've got because as we talked about a couple weeks ago about God's holiness, when we realize about the fact that God is and we are not, that God is holy and we are not holy, that God is whole and and perfect and he is love and all these various things that we call him and that we lack in those things in so many different ways. And so what happens is it, it forces us to consider our ways It forces us to think about the life that we're living. And we'll come back to that idea here in a moment. And then, let's say it this way, if God knows and sees all, I guess the question could be, we could ask, why doesn't he intervene the uh, the way I think he should? Well, what does it do? It brings confusion, right? Now, here's two reasons why we get confused. First, and this is really the simple one, it's a, it's a good, simple explanation, is that we only have a partial view. I always, when I'm in conversations with people, counseling or, or trying to encourage and trying to give perspective, is you, you have to take the higher view. You have to, sometimes I talk about the helicopter view or the 30,000-foot view to see your life played out, not just in the moment, but in the timeline of your life, to see what God has done before and how that might lead into what God might do in the future. And so part of the reason why we have this partial view, it's a, like a blurred vision view, right? It's because we lack knowledge of the Bible. We just don't know enough. And again, that's why we push all the time of being in the Word, of why you should be following us on version and in the Bible app and doing a Bible plan every day is learning how God wants you to live your life because it gives you foundational understanding upon which to build all that life will offer you. The truth is we live in a fallen world. And we know, as we've talked many times, that man's rebellion against God has brought about this brokenness that we live in. And it's brought about the suffering of our world. And we know that sin is destructive. And we also are reminded, too, John 10.10, that the evil one comes to kill, crush, and destroy, Jesus tells us, that he's out to hurt us, and that we have an enemy. But we also have to be reminded is that God is good. Understanding God is good, right? That's Romans 8.28 that even when we have all sorts of biblical knowledge, we still only understand in part or that our knowledge is limited, our perspective is limited. And the idea is simply this too, is that God is God and we are not God, that he is and we are not. And that's a good thing. 
because then it's not dependent upon us, it's dependent upon what he will do in and through us through his Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9, the writer says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Again, we're confused because uh, we only have a partial view. And again, because of that partial view, because of our fear and our pain, it can cause us to forget or even doubt uh, God's goodness. Now, that's what happened to our friend Hagar as we look at this story. That somehow, in the midst of all of it, Hagar, as she was running away, in fear, she forgot that God was the God that saw her. So Isaac arrives, and Hagar and Ishmael are sent away. And when her water container runs out, she gives up hope and thinks they will die of thirst. And then what happens in this story here in chapter 21 is there's a voice from heaven. And then out of that reassurance, she's able to see a well. And it's interesting, Pastor Tony Evans says this, that the, the well that Hagar saw, it was there all the time, but she was so busy with her life, she was so busy in her crying in the moment and forgetting God that she stopped trusting God and she stopped looking for God. So why do we get confused? Well, it's because we lack the depth of a relationship in these moments. And I think in this current season, that's what we're reminded of to understand who God is. It's interesting watching the Promise Keepers documentary on Tuesday night with Melinda. We were just reminded by all the things that we saw there. And then as I was looking at the uh, comments that uh, rolled in off of uh, Facebook, I had shared a number of the photos that I had taken uh, that day and hadn't really looked at them before. They were all analog, so I had scanned them and put them up just to be able to share with some people. And it was just amazing how many people posted a comment of, man, we need something more like that. And I think right now that may remind us that of the season that we find ourselves in. And even the idea of why this movie coming out in February called Jesus Revolution could be a key part of reminding us of what God has done before and how we have to lean into this relationship with him. Because when we lean into a relationship with God, when we walk with him daily, it builds into who we are as human beings, as men and women. And we can have confidence in who God is. Again, as we've looked at it over these many weeks, of God's mercy and God's love and God's trustworthiness and God's holiness, the impact that that can make in how we see each day. And then even last week, as we talked about how God never changes, how he's immutable, you remember that big word? So again, we have this story here of Hagar and you can only imagine the transformation that takes place in her life. And so as we think about not only the concern that we might have or that Hagar had or the confusion that she sensed and that we sense is this idea of comfort. There's a third emotion that can pop up and come to our rescue. Because you can only imagine, as the story is revealed, the transformation that Hagar uh, leans into and becomes aware of is she sees what God sees and that she is able to see how God is providing for her. And so in that moment, God saw Hagar, and he called her by her name, which means he knew her. And it was in that moment for her that Hagar realized God wasn't distant and unknowable. He was right there next to her. He was personal, and he was caring, and he was attentive to who she is and what her needs were in that moment. And then she names him Elroy, 
Now, in a sense, what it does for us and what we take away from the story is that God is not far away, that God is not asleep, that he knows who I am, that he knows me, that he's intimately involved in what's taking place in my life, that he knows what I've been through. What that implies in a very deep way is that he cares. And what it also tells us is that he doesn't miss a thing, that he is the true God and that he is the one who sees. And so what happens from this is that Hagar gets comfort and she's given a future hope. And I have to be reminded, even this week as I was watching the Promise Keepers, they encouraged anyone who was watching to uh, download their app. There's actually a link here in the worship notes if you'd like to take a look at it. It's available for your, your iPhone or your iPad or uh, your Android device. In that app, as many things uh, in that app, in that app, there's lots of opportunity to engage at a whole new level. And then I was reminded of some relationships, some men who had already signed up. And because it's a social network kind of thing, uh, I was re- reunited with some men who uh, played a significant role in my life, and we've just been apart. Uh, for the last four years, the Promise Keepers took place here in Ohio. I served as the evangelism captain, uh, where I helped uh, lead that part of that weekend experience and had an amazing team that I worked with. And so I was reminded that, yes, that God does care in these moments. And for me, I think the hope that comes, having watched the Promise Keeper event, to be reminded, or even the movie Jesus Revolution is coming out. There's tools here that is being developed, things that we can use to engage people at a whole nother level so that we can help make true so that we can make true in so many lives right now that Jesus cares for every one of us. And if he cares for the sparrow, he's going to care for us. He's going to care for you. And when we think about that, it offers us, too, that God sees us. He sees you. He sees me. And what I mean by that is that you matter to him, that you are dearly loved, and that you have value to him beyond all measure. Again, Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, Look at the birds of the air. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And when we think about this, it should help us better understand that God sees our worries. He sees our insecurities and he sees our fears. And even like Hagar, like God sought her out, that he wants to step in and wants to replace our pain with peace and comfort. That he wants us to know him. He wants us to know him intimately. So what's our response? In these moments how should we respond we need to seek to know the God who sees us because when we seek God we're gonna see him we're gonna see all that he is he's the God of love and the God of mercy and the God of holiness he's the God of peace and hope he is the way maker as we sing in the song song that always engages the young people here in the church because of who he is and the reminder of that I love the one part of the chorus that says, even when we don't see him, he's working. And that it also brings us truth and joy and ultimately brings us freedom. The writer of Psalms 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So for us, in this current season we find ourselves in, we don't want to get so focused on our problems that we can't see, that we're blinded from God's truth. And that truth is that God is good. 
And that truth is that God sees you. And that truth is that he cares. And so as the psalmist encourages us here, we lift our eyes to our helper because he becomes our hope. And so let's pray. We know God in this moment, we just want to commit to seeking to know you, to know who you are, to be reminded about your goodness and your love for us. And we know God that you've sent us into the world to be your sons and daughters. You've rescued us to rescue others. And if you can take a, a woman like Hagar, who was a foreigner from a different land, and you can use her to save your people, we pray too, God, that you would take us. Because we know like uh, Abraham of old, that you promised through Abraham that all peoples on the earth would be blessed through him. And it's because of what you've done. So we, we lean into that scripture uh, that we know so well, John chapter 3, verse 16. That you so loved the world that you gave your one and only Son, that whoever believes in him and Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. So I pray today that we can live into that and in all that we're about. We just thank you for the privilege and we pray your blessing now in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Let's continue our worship through music. <laughs> 